right, hello and welcome to 30 Odd Foot of Pod. I'm Charlie Clawson. Uh, my name is Will Anderson. Will, how are you going? I'm good. We've got a name for our podcast. I know, it feels good, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's been like a, an ongoing conversation with us for, well, we've, this is our second podcast. Yeah. And uh, we didn't have a name. Until I kind of felt like we were sort of putting it off uh, yeah. for a long time, like we didn't want to talk about it because it's hard work. Do you know what it was? Like we came up with names, but it's hard to like stick to something. And this is why I admire parents in some ways. Like when you name your child and then that's it. Yeah. Like that's it, their name for the rest of their life. Yeah. Like, you know, like these, you know, these parents who like, well, you know, let's be honest, Bogans and Hillbillies, but like these people who come up with these brand new names. Yeah. For their kids. Kanisha. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> and that's like, you're like, oh, that's, that's hilarious. Kanisha. Or, Bra- or Brayden, where they take Brandon. Brandon. Yeah. Brendaden. I'm going to call my kid this. And then you're like, that's great. That's great. And then like, oh, I, you must just like a month later go, oh. Did your parents ever tell you about um, the other names that you could have been? Did they say, oh, we, before we called you Will, we we're going to call you this or this? Did they have that discussion with uh, you? I, I didn't get that option uh-huh. uh, because I'm named after my two grandfathers. Uh, okay. Yeah. So my first name is Grandpa. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, yeah, uh, William is my um, mother's father and James is my dad's father. So, so there's never going to be, there's always going to be in honour of the ancestry. I guess so, unless like, I guess like unless the week before the pregnancy, my grandfather saw my mum and was like, wow, you look fat. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm not naming my child after that bloke. Well, my mum always told me that they were really, I was... Before it was Charles, it was going to be Oliver. And I really have wondered how my life would have been different if I was Ollie Clawson. Ollie. I think Ollie suits me. I could have been an Ollie. Oh, you would have got a lot of, please, sir, can I have some more? Yeah, like, well, I get a lot of Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, mm. Cheer Up Charlie. Like, my name is a cartoon character's name. Like, yeah. it, it's not a name that inspires a lot of respect. Like, the amount of people when I'm walking my dog will stop me and go, oh, Charlie, that's my dog's name. And it's like, <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Charles, on the other hand, like that's immediate because yeah. of Prince Charles. But yeah. Charlie, no one respects Charlie. Like, there's no kind of chief executive who's a Charlie. Like, Do you reckon he ever went with? Like, he ever thought about going with Prince Charlie? I'm sure. Like, I'm sure his mates call him Prince Charlie. Or would they call him Prince? I don't know. What's the? No, they wouldn't, would they? <laughs> would his mates call him Prince? Prince Charlie. I guess so. I mean, I think if they if they were mates like our friends, they yeah. do it just to take the piss. Yeah. Chuck. Do you get? Did you ever get Chuck? Yeah, yeah. A few people call me Chuck. I get Chuck, Chaz, uh, well, Chevy. Uh, what else do people call me? That's about it. Chuck, yeah, Chuck. Chunk. Other people call me Chunk. Chunk. So, I don't know how Chunk got from Chuck got to Chunk, but I know a few Charlies get called Chunk as well. I don't know how that happens. I don't know. Maybe it goes Chuck, then Chunk. It's like that. It's the second well, step. Well, nick- nicknames are... I- I've always wanted a nickname. Like, I never had one in never high ever. school. Never, ever. Because Charlie sounds like a nickname. Yeah. I mean, I guess it is technically a nickname. What's that Australian thing? Have you put an O or an E on the end of something? Yeah. Like to abbreviate it. So the, the Australian brain already goes, well, he's got yeah. one. He's got one. Yeah. I'm not going to call him Charlie well, O. That's actually not true. I did have a nickname, but it was more of a, you know how when you're in high school, there's in-joke yeah. nicknames. Like you sort of develop your own language. Yeah. And my school had this weird thing. Like, like based on an incident. Normally, well, right? Like, or, so or, that's yeah. why they called you goat or, or just, sucker. Or just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or just a bizarre observation. Yeah. Man who will swallow. <laughs> Uh, but this this nickname there was a old delicate lips cloth <laughs> velvet tongue 
No, there was a there was a drama. I went to a, a very um, it was a it was a football school. It's like yeah. a, it's a school that produces a lot of football players. So right. sport was at a premium, and everything else was at a was at a minimum. Yeah, and sport um, then uh, legal excuses for rape. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was a Catholic school. <laughs> had a had a had a hire a lawyer. So the so drama department wasn't regarded with the same respect okay. as the football team. Yep. And the head of the drama department was this guy called John Murphy, who was um, your atypical cool teacher, the kind of guy who would sit on the chair backwards, oh, yeah. you know, would just like to talk to kids on their level, would swear occasionally just to kind of build some cred. That is, the by students. the way, just on that sitting on the chair backwards, that is like, as you become an adult and realise how hard it is to stretch your legs... Mm that far like I mean you know it's a real effort it's a real effort to look that cool you appreciate it now yeah. don't you in yeah. retrospect you're like wow <laughs> like going out of his way to seem cool well, John, was really uncomfortable well when it comes to going out of his way to seem cool we're studying this Michael Jackson case and watching a, a lot of Michael Jackson footage and stuff and when he was teaching the class he sort of stopped and said you know the interesting thing about um, Michael Jackson is the moonwalk it's so iconic but it's basically mime technique and then he proceeded to show us how it was done and moonwalk across the front of the class. <laughs> yeah, and so this story spread and what the name John became was if you are someone who's an attention seeker, if you are someone who will do anything to get a laugh, then you are a John. And right. so my nickname, well, it wasn't exclusively my nickname, yeah. but if you were prone to sort of like getting attention, someone would call you, you're such a John, don't be a John. And so my nickname in high school was John. For about two years. So that was the first kind of nickname I had, but it was like a shared nickname because anyone who was behaving like that could have been John. Just yeah, happened right. to be me more often than I was. I was also nicknamed John when I was at No I was shit. Still, really? Yeah, but that was because I hired lots of prostitutes. <laughs> it, was a, it was a different nickname we had at our school. Um, no, I, I never had a nickname at all. Like, I, I, I never even got Ando. Did you go private school? Yeah. Yeah, there, were, but there and, were boys and, and girls. Would been, yeah, Ando would have been perfect, yeah, right? Yeah, Ando for private school, of course. When I was a kid. When Sensational, was... mate. Ando. Ando. Ando's here. Come on, Sensational. Ando. Ando. Did you used to wear your uh, chambray shirt and yeah. uh, iron-free slacks <laughs> with those uh, leather boat shoes, private school <laughs> uniform. It's like the weird thing about going to a private school is you'd have a casual clothes day and everyone would come kind of wearing a uniform anyway. I've tried to get, like... Ando to catch on as an adult. Yeah, I've noticed. But it just has not. Well, that's the thing. When you try and invent a nickname for uh, yourself, like I, when I was about 12, I tried to invent the nickname Clutch. I just thought it sounded cool and it yeah, had right. a C in it. Wow. It didn't work. Yeah, and I'd I would have thought thing. you were clutching something else. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's bad. But there was always, I thought it was like, it was normally the new kid who like tried to drop a cool nickname on, you know, because you've got no... You've got no past. Yeah. You know, like this wasn't the days of like Facebook and stuff. So you kind of like, you go to a new school. Yeah. You're like, they say this about Darwin, that you're not meant to ask people about their past in Darwin because like people go to Darwin to hide, escape, yeah, you know, right. bad relationships or like, you know, murder trials or whatever. <laughs> and so you don't know. Arrest ask. warrants. And that was kind of what it was like at school when you were like a new kid. Like, yeah. And, um, and so you could come to school and you could, that, you got that like yeah, fresh, fresh start unless... There's a couple, if it was within the same area, because that happened where uh, we had kids going to and from the other Catholic school in my area. But if the grapevine said, you know, the reason why this guy left is because he fucked a vacuum cleaner, yeah. that guy'd be called Hoover within yeah. two seconds. <laughs> totally. And there was a kid called Hoover in the year above us. And that was just like, 
it was instantaneous. You, you, there would always be some like kid who'd come and go, hey, like uh, my name's Michael, but you can call me Ace. Yeah. Everyone used to call me Ace. Yeah. And you're like, no, they didn't. Well, there was a kid at my school whose nickname was Ace and it yeah. was given to him by his mother and it stuck. I mean, it must be like so rare in nickname history because his name was Adrian and his mother didn't want people calling him AIDS. Yeah. So she started calling him Ace. <laughs> Fair and it, But it caught on. Like a mother-given nickname... <laughs> Took flight. Like, that is amazing. Circumstances can change that, though. Because, I mean, when you call your kid Adrian, you might call it AIDS early on and thought, well, it's lovely, AIDS. And then AIDS comes along and ruins your name. Yeah, totally. It's like, I'm sure there were some Sarahs who were called SARS. Yeah, right. You know. Yeah. Um, so, they, um, so the, the coolest one I ever saw at our school, there was this um, kid from um, Hong Kong, like an exchange student came in when we were about year eight. And it was the first time that I'd ever met an Asian person, I think. Cause Cause I grew up in the country. I grew up in the country. Yeah. Oh, no, like the local Chinese like um, restaurant had yeah. Chinese people, but that was it. Like yeah. you know, I assumed you could only find Chinese people in Chinese <laughs> restaurants, basically. And uh, cowering so- from you rednecks, <laughs> <laughs> normally. And um, uh, and so then um, this kid Wayne Wong came to school, and uh, he. Like, I remember it was about, like, it must have been about year eight. And, he, like, he was a new kid. And we all thought he was, like, an exchange student. And he was dressed in this uniform that, like, you know when kids have to go to funerals when they're young and they end up wearing, like, their dad's suit, suit or right. their granddad's suit? So it wasn't suit. a uniform. It was, like, a plain suit. No, no, no. This was a uniform, but it just looked like okay, that right, because right. it was too big for him. <laughs> so it looked like it had been bought for someone else and he was just wearing it, you know? Yeah. And he sat there for the first two days and didn't talk to anyone. So, of course, we're from the country, you know? We just assumed that... See, we, we weren't even really racist. <laughs> like, we were unintentionally racist. Is this the Mel Brown defense? No, no, no. We just didn't understand. Like, until years later, I didn't understand that we were racist. Yeah. Like, we had a, a black friend who we called Chico yeah. because of those, like you know, brown lollies. Yeah. And we never thought that was, like, n- would have never occurred to us that yeah. calling a brown kid You just Chico, thought it was logical. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, he's brown and they're brown. Yeah. Chico. Yeah. Right? Um, and so when Wayne Wong came along, I don't think we were intentionally being racist. We just assumed because he was Asian and he hadn't said anything, he didn't speak English. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't think anyone, any of us have thought, well, maybe we should talk to him and, and see if this is actually true. It's fantastic. We've got these two ingredients. We've added them together. He clearly doesn't speak English. <laughs> All right. So day three, we're in like, uh, I guess, like some sort of um, English class or something like that. And the teacher's got done, well, you know, we've got a new student, Wayne. And uh, Wayne, if you'd like to come up to the class, front of the class and tell everyone about, you know, your, your life. And, and in our head, we're like, Oh, this don't, is gonna... don't let him do this. Like, even as kids, and kids can be cruel, like, even we were like, don't. It's a car crash. Like, don't. Have yeah. He's up there, and we're all just staring at him. And then he did the coolest thing. Like, this has stuck with me from, from this day. And this was like, I guess, I mean, this is like 25 years ago. And he's just gone, my name is Wayne Wong, and I come from Hong Kong, and if you stick around, you can hear my song. And he just rapped his no, story. No, he didn't. Totally Are you true. Serious? Yeah, yeah. That's fucking. That takes a massive balls at a new school. How old were you? Uh, I reckon about year eight. I can't. I, like, I, it, it, it was probably somewhere between year seven All and right, year nine. Now, but the, so big, like, the big question 13 is: thirteen to fifteen. Did that endear him, or was he then have a bullseye on his back? No, no. Coolest kid in school. No shit. Coolest kid at, at the school. At my school, he would have got a fucking huge bullseye. That yeah. guy would have been taken down a peg or two, yeah. A guy did that at my high school. He came in grade six yeah. 
and his name was John Joseph Hewlett. And he said, my name's John Joseph Hewlett, you can call me JJ. Yeah. And that guy was destroyed within like four lunchtimes. <laughs> Like uh, we had, uh, we had a guy called Randall Campbell who was American. That was the coolest name. And, uh, and we had um, uh, the other. We had a Sri Lankan kid called Ramesh Harry Chandran. We used to have to do this fitness test once a year where you'd have to run two laps of the oval, and they would time it like eight hundred meters, basically, right? Yeah. And two years in a row, Ramesh Harry Chandran sprinted the first lap, and then had an asthma attack on the second lap. <laughs> I'm pretty sure one year there was an ambulance involved. <laughs> I still love it. But I didn't have a, a nickname at all and I really wanted one and I did try to give myself a nickname like you did. Yeah, what yeah. was yours? Oh, well, this is the worst. Uh, donuts, right? Ah. I wanted to be called Donuts. And the reason was uh, that I was um, reading these books um, called uh, Alfred Hitchcock and the Three Investigators. Do you remember those books? No. They were like... Um, Is it like Encyclopedia Brown or one of those... Yeah. Like... Mystery. Um, yeah, they're kind of... Solve it. I think that... Yeah. That, yeah. No, they were a bit older than that. Though. They were like okay. more like um, Famous Five, Secret Seven, right. yeah, something yeah, yeah. like that, right? And there was this like nerdy guy who solved all the mysteries called Jupiter Jones. And... Um, JJ. Yeah, that's right. And I was like, I want to be like, I want to name like Jupiter. So I came up with donuts. I'm not really sure yeah, right. what the link between those two is, but in my head there was one. But I, I was aware. See, I was smart. I was aware that you couldn't just... Name it. Name yourself. <laughs> so he was my... So what, you started an underground uh, buzz campaign? <laughs> Start online, just a few viral... <laughs> no, even worse, this is what I did. I went down to the local supermarket, right? And I bought one of those, I don't know, like 24 cinnamon donut supermarket packets. Oh my packets, God. Right? Branding. Yeah. <laughs> so then I would like linger at Little Play, <laughs> at little, little Play at lunchtime, right? I would linger eating these donuts. Of course. Like, enigmatically. Enigmatically. Enigmatically eating these donuts, thinking that everyone would be like, hey, Who's that cool kid who's always like eating donuts? You know what? We should call him Donuts. Hey, what's up, Donuts? What are you doing? <laughs> eating donuts. <laughs> wow, you put a lot more thought into it. Yeah. There's a guy um, I went to school with, and this is probably the cruelest. There's a few cruel nicknames, but this guy, his name is Martin De Patista. Oh, yeah. And when we were in like grade six, he, we, he, just, he turned really pale in class and sort of collapsed. And teachers came in, they took him to sick bay and he left school in an ambulance. And then we found out later that his testicles had become intertwined oh, in his no. scrotum. Oh, no. So Martin D. Patista oh, became no. Martin D. Patwister. Oh, no. Oh, no. I mean, that's a, that is like a, a, a cosmic aligning of events. You know, the fact that his name so perfectly matched the event. But yeah. That's it, what I always thought about um, Wayne Wong. It was lucky he was from Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, but maybe he wasn't. Yeah. Maybe he just like went, this is going to work better and all these racist country folk won't know. My best mate when I was in grade six was a guy called Andy Buck. And I remember somebody got expelled from school for carving on the woodwork bench. Andy Buck had a fuck underneath a semi-truck <laughs> with Donald Duck. <laughs> that was predominantly what we did in woodwork though. Ironically, we did, did a lot woodwork. of woodwork. Right, okay, I didn't yeah. have that at my school. We had woodwork. Um, basically, I went to a school in the city. Yeah. <laughs> well, in the country, we had, um, in about year nine at school, you had to choose. Basically, you had two electives. It was woodwork or needlework. And right. surprisingly enough, all the boys did woodwork and all the girls did needlework. We used to um, 
basically just do nothing. Like we had our assignments to do, but everyone would spend all their time carving, you know, rude messages into the desk mm. and uh, making ninja stars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and bongs? <laughs> yeah. And I think, and I, bongs was more, uh, that was more like homework. Right. On the netball courts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And um, so uh, I... Stars. <laughs> I I learnt a musical instrument when I was um, uh, at high school, and at our school, if you went to your musical instrument classes, you had to do them during electives. Sure. Right. So I kept skipping my woodwork class to go to the musical instrument lesson that I was. My parents had enrolled me. What instrument? The flute. Oh my god. Yes. So I was skipping woodwork to go and learn the flute. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, hand in this your, may be hand in your testicles. Yeah, if you were looking back on where my life went wrong, <laughs> this may be the exact moment, right? But you still were meant to like uh, complete your assignments in the elective, right? Yeah. That was still part of what you had to do. Yeah, and I hadn't done mine. We had to make this just shelf. Basically, we had to carve out this thing, and all the shelf had to do was hold a brick. That was like the test. Like at the end of you, you know, like you had to varnish and polish yeah, yeah, and do yeah. the joints and stuff. But at the end, it had to hold a brick. Yeah. That was like the test. Yeah. And I got to the last lesson of woodwork and hadn't made my thing and tried to make it all in one go. Like didn't put the right hinges in, just lack it. It was still wet with lacquer and stuff when I was like, and it just it smashed and I failed. And so. I had to go to needlework. Wow. Like, because I'd failed woodwork, I oh, couldn't go on. The walk right? of shame. I know. And it was, at the time, yeah. like a massive walk of shame, except when I got there, I realised something amazing. What? I was now like a year 10 boy in a room full of year 10 girls. And they just, after a while, you just blend in and mm. they just keep talking <laughs> Like, you know, suddenly you're getting all this information. Suddenly you're invisible. I'm like, wow, I'm learning a lot of stuff right now. But the even best thing is they also just do all your work for you. Oh, really? Yeah, because you're like this person who's not meant to be there. So they're always like, oh, this is how you do it. Oh, let me do this for you. Let me do this for you, right? And so they did all my work and I got to hang out with the girls all the time. It was brilliant. Did you get with any of them? It was a small high school. By the end, you got with all. <laughs> so is that, I was going to ask that because I went to an all-boys school, so yeah. I only got with half. half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I've always wondered, like, if you had girls in the school, uh, like, I mean, is it just, do they all partner up or, some, like, I mean, what happens? Yeah, pretty much. Everyone partners up. Yeah, pretty because much. Because there's no other girls around? Like, can you go? No, other, no. Was there another girls' There's other girls' schools for sure. Yeah. See, I wouldn't go in, I, I would, I would. If I had had the opportunity, I probably wouldn't have gone in the same school. No, no, pressure, man. You see him every day. We go in the same school. um, You go in the same school until about year nine. Oh, right. Because, like, you don't really go anywhere where you meet other schools until year nine. But then once you start going to parties that people from other schools and stuff, you know, you branch out. Yeah. And it was like a real, like, in our area, like, our school was like, you know, kind of the private, the, the private school. And the girls were like, you know, nice and proper. Yeah. Then there was the Catholic girls' school, Our Lady of Zion. Now the slutty one. <laughs> they were Catholic school girls, man. And then there was like Sail High and Sail Tech. Yeah, right. That's when it got like. Is that a sliding scale? Is uh, it, is it? Yeah, probably. In that but order? I, I mean, no offense to anyone any of those fine schools. But just in relation to how we viewed it at the time rather than probably what the reality was. The girls' school my sisters went to, they went to Catholic school, Star of the Sea. That's where Jermaine Greer came from. I think um, Jermaine Greer, Holly Balance. Uh, 
they Two had, other great feminists of our time. Yeah, they, they had the worst reputation. I think they were a convent school for a while, so they were taught strictly by nuns. Yeah. And I think what happens was that the girls would get such, like, overloaded with religious dogma during the week that on the weekends they oh, were yeah. nuts. No, but that's what I reckon it is. And guaranteed when they got out of high school, they're the first ones getting pregnant because there's no kind of, like, talks of condoms or contraception or, or anything like that. Yeah, totally, man. It's like if you tell people, it's like those people who take the virginity um, pledges. I read this article. About, I think this is a while ago. I don't think it's the same anymore. Yeah, but I like I read about those. You know, in America, they get people to take the purity rings, purity rings, and virginity pledges. They have a higher level of um, unprotected sex than people who don't do that. Well, of course, because they don't like you know. It's like when it does happen, it happens in unsafe ways, and they have heaps more anal sex. Wow, that's weird, huh? Like yeah. I don't, I don't. I've got to be. I don't honest. think it's. I don't think it's. Well, it's not, well, weird or logical. No, I don't. Think I mean, is, they're all I don't charged think that up. That is logical. You don't think you want to fuck? Like that's a natural urge, and yeah, yeah. You but, I, but I don't think that. Like, I don't. Like, yeah, but I don't think that having anal sex means you're still a virgin. Oh no, 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 no. Sorry, I thought. But they, that's what they do. They, I thought you were saying do. that they want to have anal sex is bizarre, and I'm like, it's not bizarre, man. No. It's the most wonderful thing in the world. <laughs> no, but I'm not saying that. I'm saying that they consider that to be keeping their purity yeah i don't think that counts well i don't in a court of law i mean i know most girls i know would rather fuck a guy than give him head that to them like if they had to like they would fuck a guy rather than give him head because no. head seems much more of a bigger thing yeah. i don't think that's true now though like with the kids like from what you read in the papers and stuff no I th- like isn't it just like they go to parties and they just I, do it all the we time are though. so not equipped to fucking talk about what teenagers these days know. are doing. And I'm glad I think we, we know, have an impression. I, I think we may be fooled. We have an idea. I don't know what you're like. Yeah. I think that everyone's just fucking right now. Like I think yeah. everyone's having sex. Totally. Like that if I was sixteen From what I see, today, the, yeah. I know. But I think maybe I think they just maybe, go to parties and hook up and they're like all sexting and stuff. I, I um. Uh, was talking to this 15 year old boy at the gym which sounds like the and start of a test of a, of a, of a, <laughs> I was going yeah, yeah, yeah. to name a, a prominent Australian broadcaster yeah. but so it sounds like a um, sounds like something that I would have to say in a court of law but yeah. no, the gym I go to um, there was a kid doing work experience and he'd seen my uh, DVD so we were talking about that and whatever and then I, yeah, you just start talking about general stuff and I asked him if he had a girlfriend and uh, <laughs> I didn't like not, I didn't ask yeah. him if he had a girlfriend as in are you available? I asked him if... At yeah. the gymnasium, were you in the change rooms? No, shut up. No, like, I mean... Shower. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, so yeah, we're no. just talking. All right. And uh, I said, you know, do you have a girlfriend? He said, nah, I wouldn't because you just go to the parties on the weekend and you just hook up with chicks. I don't think they're fucking, are they? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I, if you believe the media, well, I, they're doing heaps of shit well, that I, we didn't I, do. I get really angry and like, God damn it, like I would have been perfect back then. But then, you know, I think when you know we were, we were teenagers, it was just kind of... Well, that's what I think. When I heard him say that, I was like... Oh, I mean, I was 15 wasn't again. Wasn't everyone having but sex But then the in other the thing is, you know what? 70s? No one really wanted to have sex with me when I was a teenager well, and they probably wouldn't now. There'd just thing. be more people having sex and I wouldn't be one of them. That's a thing, man. I, I, it's, it's, like, it's like when you're in a relationship and you walk around and you go, oh man, like if oh, I was single, like you're at a party and like, her, oh, single, I her, her. Sex with her. And you disregard for the <laughs> a second that they have got to want to have sex with you. Well, yeah. unless you play for a football team. That, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, totally. But you're right. Like there is that sort of I thing. I think the there. grass is always greener, especially when, I mean, people always uh, um, romanticize youth and, and yeah. the teenage experience when I think it, it doesn't change that much. I, I mean, just because the availability of, you know, sexting and stuff, I don't necessarily mean... Like, kids aren't necessarily dumber and 
more charged up. They may be feeling more pressure, but I don't necessarily think that, you know. Yeah, but I reckon they've got more, um, like the internet. Like, you know, that's like... I'd be... Well, why, why would shit. you... Man, why, why would if you I had the, the internet when I was 15? <laughs> yeah. But, but, but maybe that's what they all do try to do now because they've seen it. Like, we didn't know really what it was. Like, even the pornography we'd seen when we were kids was normally pictures. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. So you had to kind of imagine how it worked. Yeah. Whereas, like, you know... And you had to, like, get other kids to tell you. But these days, you don't need other kids to tell you. Yeah. Like, I believed for ages that something, like, that you did with a woman that was sexual was called a hedgehog. <laughs> right? And, you know, like, and I was trying to work out what it was. Yeah. And, like, and I honestly spent months going because, like, I, I knew that it would have to have something to do. Like, doggy style, that's, like, how dogs do it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that makes sense. Right? Yeah. So if a hedgehog must have been something to do with, like, so, like, is it their spikes? Well, you know or is what? it, like, chocolate I bet, I bet you, I bet you these days hedgehog is a sexual term. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Have you ever read the Kama Sutra or had a, a, a browse through the Kama Sutra? Nah, I've read the Cliff Notes. <laughs> <laughs> Just the best bits. Yeah, right. <laughs> I saw the preview. Highlight package. Waiting for the movie. Yeah. I mean, some of that shit, I'm adventurous and, you know, you got to try new stuff. But some of that, like, come on. I mean, really? Justin Hamilton, who you know, and I invented a sex move once. Together? Well, together. We didn't do it <laughs> together, but we invented it together. Right. Now, I'm holding my hand in a sort of duck. like duck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Fisting isn't really like normally with your fist. It's yeah. like like with your fingers in a kind of duck-like motion. Sure. So we decided that fisting was like an sort of inaccurate name. Yeah. So we decided we were going to rename fisting into the duck. Yeah. But you can't just rename something and that be your move, right? Yeah. So we came up with a move called the double duck. Yeah. Right, which is when you were ducking someone like twice. You could do it on the same person. Yeah. You could duck them. Yeah. Uh, in like you So know, in a threesome. You could be or ducking. Oh, yeah, yeah. In a threesome, you could duck two different people, the double duck, yeah, right? Yeah. And if you wanted, you get one like up high and one down low and you could duck like an Egyptian. Oh, uh, yeah, right. But, right, so that was going to be like our yeah. thing, the double duck, right? Yeah. That, and so we decided that was going to be our, our move, the double duck, and get it out there. So, yeah. Teabagging is my favourite, though. Like, I, I've never done that. That is, it's just got a... You've never teabagged? No. Really? No. Oh, you got to try that. I'm not into it. What? You're not into oral sex? Yeah, you know, but but like I just don't know my balls. I don't, I don't know. I you don't, get nervous. They're gross. They are gross. But you don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to put them in your mouth. I know, but I always, I always like to think about. But what most the other women, will, has most women, will, most women claim their vagina is gross and they get all self conscious. But you don't think it's gross, like you know. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. I reckon all girls think balls are gross. Yeah, actually, that's true. I've <laughs> I don't think anyone who's ever looked at balls and gone. No, no but I, I have right. had girls talk about... I would like a handbag that looks like a scrotum. It's not a pleasant looking... No, a, girl, a girlfriend of mine, she says she enjoys like squeezing her boyfriend... Like gently squeezing her boyfriend's balls and then watching the scrotum sort of spring back to its normal shape. I don't really want anyone... Like it's a sensitive area. Yep. There's such a fine line between pleasure and pain in that area that I just don't trust someone else with like, you know... Yeah. Knowing where that line is. <laughs> and they hurt. Well, like that's why people getting whacked in the nuts on Australia's Funniest Home Videos is so funny. Yeah, or like at the cricket when someone gets hit in the groin and everybody in the entire <laughs> arena, 80,000 people at once go... <sighs> but it's not... It's not. I don't under, I'm not sure what you're like... Uh, what you're doing but it's not you're not going at 100 miles an hour like, it's a gentle I, process where you build up pressure and speed you don't necessarily have to go in and start speed bagging them maybe I have like 
particularly sensitive ball. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Have you ever been like fully kicked in the balls or like hit in the balls very hard? Yeah, I guess so. Playing footy and stuff. Actually, no, but I'm intentionally hitting the balls like someone has kicked no. you. No. Why would somebody hit me in the ball? Well, actually, well, I've just had a, I've just had a look at my life just <laughs> briefly and gone, oh yeah, no, no, fair, enough. <laughs> fair question. Uh, no, uh, but I have not. I've been intentionally kicked in the balls. By whom? My girlfriend. What? She claims that she was miming to kick me in the balls, that she was like pretending to. I was bending down to tie up my shoelace and she ran up and pretended to kick me in the balls, but she actually hit me flush on one of the nuts, like the tip of a cowboy boot. And I, I collapsed, like I yeah. was on the ground. And yeah. we'd just seen a movie, so people were streaming out of the movie theater and I'm lying on the ground in fetal public? position. Yeah, red-faced and sweating and, and like just my eyeballs popping out of my head. Wow. And she came to apologize and I was like Reagan from The Exorcist. I was like, fuck off, <laughs> get away from me. Yeah. I was in so much pain. Afterwards, she apologized and she said that she'd never kicked a boyfriend in the balls before. She didn't realize that it was, um, you know... <laughs> Could do that much damage. Had that not rumour that balls were sensitive got around? I would have thought that a million comedy films by now will have would have spread the message that balls are like a man's kryptonite. Yeah, totally. And women don't have the equivalent, do they? You can punch a girl on the boob. I know that hurts from having growing up with five sisters. I, I know punching a girl on the tit can really sting. But, well, but you shouldn't. Here's, here's a tip: don't punch don't punch women. don't punch women. In general, <laughs> like, yeah. like not in, in the boob, in the face, in the vagina. Don't punch them. You didn't grow up with five older sisters. Like sometimes I had to fight for my life. When I'm you... not saying like, you know, at my family reunions now, like I go to my ne- nephew's or niece's birthday and the first thing I do is walk up to my sister and punch her in the tits. Good. Like I'm talking about being like 11 years old and being held like under the couch. They used to pin me under the futon. They'd take the lid off the futon, put yeah. me inside the frame, then put the lid back on it. Mm. All right. <laughs> so there There's, are certain circumstances where you'll approve. Yeah, you're right. Like everything, like everything, there is an exception. Yeah, to like if you were the guy in misery and you were strapped to that bed yeah. and that crazy nurse came in I think a punch to the boob in that scenario <laughs> would have been justified would have loved that if Stephen King <laughs> <laughs> Stephen King like and then, uh, and then the last page of misery after all this suspense after this amazing like story is and then he punched her in the boob and escaped <laughs> like, happily, and lived happily ever after <laughs> the end that uh, that would be a sure a surefire indicator that he had something to do yeah. <laughs> that afternoon <laughs> You know, like he built to a climax and then he just punched her in the boob the, and she fell down. The end. It's like Stephen's just not trying anymore. Stephen's fighting me. Yeah, just say, here's a scenario. Just say I'm in an accident and become a quadriplegic. Yeah. And I say to you... I'm pulling out the cords. Right. Well, I say to you, I want to I want to die and I want you to help me. But here's the stipulation mm. is that um, it's got to, it can't look like suicide. It has to look like an accident. Uh-huh. You can't be prosecuted after the fact oh, yeah. and I can't die in pain. How... Would you engineer that? I'm thinking about it. It's really, really hard to make a quadriplegic look like they've had an unaided death because they can't thrive anywhere. They've normally got a carer there full time. The only thing I could think of would be if you and I went camping <laughs> and you either... Well, it's got to be... Why am I taking a quadriplegic camping? Um, because I mean, I'm sure. Like, I'm, I'm not. This is not to. I'm sure you can we'll just say. Well, okay. Why have we? Why have you and I, who have never gone camping, <laughs> suddenly, suddenly now that you're a quadriplegic, decided to go camping? Well, okay. Well, that that was my one. My my one idea was that maybe yeah. we could go camping, and you could we could get drunk, and you could release a poisonous snake in my tent, and I get bitten, and hopefully I'm drunk enough that the poison gives me. Remember, it's going to be a pain-free death. Mm. 
I'm assuming that would be pain-free, wouldn't it? If I if I was drunk and I got bitten by a snake, would that be pain-free death? Mm, yeah. I don't know. If you're drunk enough. Um, I thought that was not a bad way because then you could call the cops the next day and say, oh, shit, you know, my friend, I woke up, he's got this bite wound and, and, and he's dead. And that way, I mean, that's pretty viable, isn't it? Except for the fact that we went camping and we've never gone camping. <laughs> Everyone be like, every part of this story is believable apart from the fact that they went camping. Yeah. Um, An assisted suicide for a quadriplegic where you can't be implicated and they're not going to be in pain. I mean, you can't drug me. You can't push me. Why can't I drug you? Because how... Well, Aren't there drugs an, that don't an, show up? As Well, where do you get them from? I don't know. Well, it's going to be Online? like... Online? Okay. So, but I mean, that is leaving a trail. Like as soon as you log in and type in untraceable... I know someone who works at a vet. What about that stuff they put dogs down with? I'm sure. Pem, pem, dude, if, 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 if any is. of those forensic shows have taught me anything, it's that they can detect most things. Like they would find a yeah, punch, but by the a time they Yeah, but by the time they come into your room and wave that blue light around and spend like <laughs> yeah. three or four oh days... Oh my God, he wrote his name <laughs> three, on every available three, surface. Three, three or four days looking at all your semen. Going, <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's pretty good for a quadriplegic. There's the, a lot of semen in this room. The first two cops who come in and use that fluoro light have to go to hospital for blindness because yeah, there's right. so much reflected semen UV light yeah. coming back at him. How closely do people look? Oh, I don't know. Like it would be, could it be like some sort of um, natural disaster or something? Well, but I could, could maybe, if I was on a breathing assisted thing, like some quadriplegics, like uh, Chris Freeve had that breather, it could maybe be a, a malfunction with that. Yeah, but that would be painful for you, I think, to die. To, to choke? To choke. That would be painful. I'd be, I'd be distressed, wouldn't I? Yeah. What if, like, um, what if I just, like, drugged you and pushed you off a cliff? Oh, do you reckon that doesn't sound... I mean, that is going to look definitely suspicious. <laughs> Unless you're one of the bra boys. That's going to look definitely suspicious. Well, what if I, like... Um, uh, don't you this, think? Because like, that, you, don't, you don't want to just disappear, do you? Because I can't take you out into the middle of the desert or something and just... Well, again, you can, but you run... My, I've stipulated that I don't yeah. want you... If you get prosecuted, then, you know, I'm going to come back from heaven. <laughs> No, I don't know. But I just, that, yeah. that is a stipulation is that you can't get prosecuted. Oh. And so you have to avoid suspicion at all Are we costs. really having a conversation on the best way to kill a quadriplegic you can get away with it? But, the, but it's consensual. It's consensual. Yeah, okay, I guess. Um, right. I don't think there is, I don't think there's an easy way to do it. Hmm. I just think, yeah. I mean, the only, the snake bite is the best one to come up with. Or apparently drowning can be quite peaceful, I hear, I read. I'm, maybe I'm making that up. If you drugged me and then left me by the side of the river, and then you could say like that. Are you saying that drowning is a peaceful way to die because um, it was in the Prestige? They said it was the most peaceful. No, way I was to die. actually picked it up from that. I was, I was thinking of actually the perfect storm at right. the end, where Mark Wahlberg's doing his monologue and he looks quite peaceful as he's drowning. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> if movies have taught me anything, it's the drowning. Actually, you know what? Drowning that would be my my most feared method of death. Well, besides fire. I'd rather be buried alive than drown, I think. No way. Yeah. No I, way. I get terrified. When I go for a walk along the cliffs and I just look out into that ocean, that yeah. is my greatest fear is to just be lost at sea, like floating in the middle of a huge ocean with not knowing what was below me. That would, that, that would freak me out. Rather than being buried alive. Yeah, I think buried alive I could handle. I think suffocating would be better than gulping down water or potentially being eaten by a shark. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can die out in the ocean. You're only going to suffocate being buried alive. I don't, I, I don't want that uncertainty with my horrible death. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's so romantic about like, you know, Drowning. dying at sea. 
You're not Whereas, Sylvia Plath. Like, well, no, Sylvia. Like, um, didn't she drown herself? No, Sylvia Plath put her head in an oven. Oh, who's the one who drowned herself? Um, because uh, so, and so did the guy that you know. Um, uh, Ted, is it Ted Hughes, who Sylvia Plath was married to, no, the no. the British poet Daniel, laureate, Daniel Craig, Daniel like, Craig from that movie with yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. <laughs> so um, again, uh, everything I know is so. From when the uh, Daniel Craig remarried, yeah, yeah. No, well, this is this is a true story that um, uh, Ted Hughes. I'm sure it's Ted Hughes. Um, he Sylvia Plath killed herself. She put her head in an oven, and then his second wife or his next relationship also killed herself by putting her head in the oven. Mm. Now, if you're Ted Hughes at that stage, you've got to start thinking maybe it's me. Yeah, maybe I should get a microwave. I'd get an electric oven. Yeah, <laughs> that's horrible. Yeah, I think we had a relative somewhere far back in my family who gassed themselves in an oven. It seems like a depression era suicide. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you don't hear many people. It's now it's moved up to cars. Like you're gonna gas yeah, yourself. Yeah, it's yeah, using yeah. a car. What's your most feared method of demise? Um, I mean, and don't get too ridiculous. You can't say oh, eaten alive by like right, swallowed yeah. whole yeah. hippopotamus. <laughs> yeah, right. Digested. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. St- stabbed to death slowly by the thumbtack. Yeah, that's right. No, I um, I I, I don't really know. I don't. I, I just want quick death. I'm just happy for quick death. So it doesn't matter if it's explosion or whatever. Or yeah, explosion would be good. I'd be happy with explosion. I don't. I, it's like when I'm on a plane. Yeah, plane plane death doesn't bother me. Yeah, I'm totally fine with plane death. I'm. Uh, in fact, I'm often on a plane, and I don't <laughs> know if this is a weird insight into because I'm, I'm reasonably fearless about those sort of things. Um, if there's like really bad turbulence or whatever, there's a small part of me that thinks, "Good, I've got such a busy week yeah, this week." Yeah. <laughs> Death would come as a sweet relief to me right now. Yeah. I mean, I always... I sometimes do think about that. I don't think... Like, not in a particularly modern way, but sometimes I do just You've think... You've got to think about your death. I think... I, I'm amazed... I'm not scared of death. I'm scared of pain. Yeah, like, me di- too. Dying yeah. to me is like, oh, well, fuck. I mean, it's it's inevitable. Oh, no, there's some people. Iggy Pop and... Keith Richards. Keith Richards. It's like people who've beaten death. Yeah. Like, they've, they've got to death, looked death in the eye and kept going, and, and then that's laughing. it. You yeah. can live forever. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not even, yeah, I'm, I'm not scared of death. I'm just scared of like, you know, I don't want to die like a pussy getting some fucking disease and being in hospital for like, you know, a year. Yeah. That would suck. Like going out with a whimper, like. Although, I don't know, like sometimes if it hurt, no. But if I was just in a hospital, right, and that like I got good drugs every day mm. and I could just watch telly. But that's not how you I want to... I'd kind of be fine with that. Nah, really? <laughs> Unless it's a really it's like nice a, hospital. It's like my idea of a holiday. You would Sitting around while people bring me food and drugs while I can watch telly. <laughs> I think if you're on... The, yeah, like if there's morphine, we can just touch the Yeah, the, uh, the button. Yeah. Adam Spencer's dad was really ill and some of the... Like, we, we got to go out and sit with him at the, at the, the hospice that he was in a bit, you know, just to keep him company and when he was sick. And it was actually one of the more beautiful moments of like my entire life like he's being there in this sort of it's very intimate with someone who knows they're dying you know and mm. is on drugs and we would just sit there and basically we'd just amuse him because like Adam and I would go out and I'd just make fun of Adam which <laughs> he thought was like you know hilarious yeah. you know? but they had a moment and it, Adam said it was like one of those beautiful moments because his dad he was in so much pain he had one of those little morphine things you push and yeah. he had an overdose and, and they had they called all the family in because they thought maybe this was going to be the moment where he died yeah. but they brought him back to life and his first words when he opened his eyes he looked at Adam and said wow if I ever thought 
that we were going to be in a hospital and one of us had had a drug <laughs> overdose. <laughs> I would have sworn it was the other way around. And I was like, Adam, I said, that's such a good line. Do you think when he came back to life, he lay there with his eyes shut for a little while, like thinking of the really perfect yeah, 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 line yeah. before he like... Take a couple of minutes here. Yeah. The pain is one thing, but what about the knowing... Just say you had a terminal illness, no pain or whatever, but you knew you were going to be dead in four months. Yeah. Is knowing that you have to put your affairs in order, is that tough? Like, is that kind of... No. I reckon that's good. Just get the elders four months to just do what you like, you know? Yeah. I'd be sweet at that. Like, my, my major fear in life, I think, the thing that stops me having fun, I think a lot of the time, is the fear that my life won't end. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, part of the reason I'm conscientious about, like, keeping jobs and doing some things I don't like to do and, like, paying my mortgage and stuff is, like, in case I have to be here for ages. Yeah, yeah. If I knew that, like, you know... Suddenly, Jesus comes down and grants eternal yeah. life. And you're like, fuck, it's another oh, 20 years of my mortgage. serious? <laughs> yeah. I should have saved more. Yeah. I'm not going to have skills to sustain me when I'm old. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't even think about because the Because there's part of me that thinks if, like, if you knew that like if you knew that you were going to die at christmas mm. this year what would you do with the rest of the year um well i wouldn't buy any presents for a start <laughs> because it's not like i'm going to enjoy mine uh i don't know i guess all right you know what i'd probably i'd streamline i i would i would i would pick the two things in my life that i that i really want to be my legacy and i would focus on that so i would try and get a film made that's what i'm trying to do at the moment you know i'm trying to get films made so i would put everything into that and nothing else like i would not you know i wouldn't worry about paying rent you know i, I wouldn't worry about pl anything else i would that would be 100 percent focus on that I'd, leaving something behind essentially so that when i die i'm not just kind of like a blip although i will be yeah but at least something. everyone's a blip man yeah like there's probably 20 people in the history of the entire world who people remember well maybe i'll start a cult yeah. <laughs> maybe i'll start a religion i mean if you really want to be remembered don't make a fucking film though yeah you know that's not going to happen kill some people yeah that's true actually you know what i mean like if you want to be if you want to be remembered that's the way to go about it kill some people yeah although i, I don't want to <laughs> <laughs> Well, do you want to be remembered or not? <laughs> they my only two choices. If you're not willing to kill people. I, uh, yeah, I'm sure there's positive ways I can make an impact. Why not don't in, I save? Why don't I? Not, hey, not why, in why nine months. I, why don't I save a bunch of people? No, you, you know? can't. You can't in like six. Well, you've, you've got like you've got six months to like make something that people are going to remember. Your film's not going to be that good. So you're saying it's easy. Oh, you know what you should do. It's easy to kill get a bunch of people on film. Uh, make a film that kills people. That's edgy. Yeah, I'd be remembered. What do you mean? If, like as a snuff movie? Yeah, make a snuff movie, like a, a full action live. Doesn't snuff matter. Movie. Doesn't matter, man. Like in the days of the internet, like you just log on to five different websites, you can see police footage of like a siege where you see hundreds of people getting killed. I don't think that. I don't think the snuff movies are what they used to be. You can yeah. see an autopsy on SBS yeah. every week now. Like I. But you have never seen a like a, a full length feature live action film where they kill real people. So you mean like I actually write a script? In which when a character dies they actually die yeah, yeah that would uh, be pretty awesome uh, you could probably do like because you know like when they if you if you went to a, a, a terminally ill ward and there's yeah. people you know who wanted to who wanted to die you know want to be euthanized and you say well okay well i've written this part yeah uh, well it's like that bill hicks bill hicks premise yeah. about remembering your yeah exactly but that's but you, you probably it's a could. Bad idea you could convince people because there would be people there going definitely i like don't have long to go yeah if you know you're going to die, it's probably easy to go knowing that 
you're going to leave something behind totally. as opposed to, you know, being forgotten. So you're saying I should write a film, write a film. and go out to casting agents and say, That's do you have any actors? Is he going to hasn't yeah. worked in a while and he's yeah. probably, his career's dead? Yeah. How'd they like to be really dead? Yeah. How would they... <laughs> Just like one one last shot at some box office glory. I don't. I th- yeah. You know, like when, you, when you, a movie is like comes out and it says, "Oh, it has real sex scenes in it." Mm. Like you know, the, the, act, the actors yeah, yeah. actually had. Like if this you had a movie that said people death, really, really died, died in it, that's actually not a bad premise. I think. I think you could. Put, I mean, I reckon you could definitely find people to do it. Definitely. Definitely. People would be willing to. But die you know, the hardest premise. part about it would be. If you're writing like an ensemble piece, mm. like a Royal Tenenbaums or, <laughs> or something. I was kind of thinking it'd be an action film. <laughs> I just think it's easier to kill lots of people in an action film. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, right. don't I mean, get me wrong. I like, I like your thought that it might be some quirky comedy. Art house. <laughs> I was. I was going down like the David Lynch kind of David Cronenberg <laughs> art house horror film where people are actually dying. I've got a great plot for Weekend at Bernie's <laughs> 3. Or maybe it could be like a film, like an action like Commando, and you know how they have like hundreds of bad guys coming up yeah. the hill and they just get gunned down. Like imagine that, like you sign up, you're going to give your life for this filmmaker and then you turn up and you find out you're an extra in a, like a mass explosion scene, like you don't even get a fucking line before you die. Or like a Lord of the Rings style battle. You're all dressed as orcs, orcs. <laughs> Getting mown down. That would be... The, that would have been brilliant if it turned out that Peter Jackson had actually like hired a bunch, hired of, a bunch of terminally ill terminally ill people to dress as orcs and like has killed them and everyone's like hey, hey Peter Jackson we love the what you've done with the CGI in that film and he's like yeah CGI <laughs> but did you ever see um, Faces of Death when you were a teenager did that ever go around your school do you know what no. Faces of Death is it's know. like a legendary kind of it's not a snuff movie, but it was an underground movie in the 70s where it was just, before obviously the internet and stuff, it was um, a compilation of footage from around the world of, you know, things like executions in Saudi Arabia and um, Electric Chair. And some friends of mine, um, uh, for their year 12 media project, they made a mock doco about the band are in. Yeah. And um, they had a scene where uh, they were being in a reference to Spinal Tap. The interviewers asked them about what happened to their to their old drummer, and they go, "Oh, what happened to old drummer?" And then they cut in a scene from Faces of Death where someone jumps off like a five story building and just fucking splats <laughs> on the ground. And then they cut back to the interviewer and they go, "Oh, okay." And then your drummer after that, and the band were like, "Hmm." hmm. And then they cut to another scene of a guy getting beheaded in Saudi Arabia, and they submitted it to their Year Twelve like media class, and they passed. Wow. <laughs> they had like actual snuff footage intercut in their wow. project. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Ahead of their time. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the worst hands in the world. I'm holding them up. You can't see them. But how would you describe those? Um, they're like, uh, well, they're small. They're chubby. Yeah. They're, they're short and chubby. Like Homer Simpson's hands. Yeah, they are like Homer Simpson's hands. You, you know, they look like the hands of a much shorter, fatter person <laughs> than you are. <laughs> I remember I was... They look like... Uh, like, if you saw them on a dwarf, you would go, oh, that dwarf has slightly large hands. But yeah. not... Well, what, what I, the way I would describe it is the palm is actual normal human adult male size. Yeah. But then the fingers are like half size and almost twice the width. It's true. They're like... Gemma calls them paws. She says, my Irish heritage, that they're perfectly built for digging potatoes out of the dirt. <laughs> like, I'm a human wombat. Like, these things are burrowing. Like, if I was an X-Man... I've somehow got this kind of like digging gene that would yeah. be me. It's does it give you trouble like typing or anything? Yeah. Like are your palms on the other case? 
I'm like a gorilla, just pounding. <laughs> Basically, my, 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 on my laptop, it's just two gigantic keys. Yeah. Dum, 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 dum. How do you pick stuff up? Did you have to stuff extra bits in the end of gloves? Gemma has Did you buy fingerless gloves that actually fit your whole <laughs> finger? Yeah, pretty much. That, you know what? That's kind of what it's like. When I wear fingerless gloves, just a tip, my nails come out of the end. Gemma and I were editing a, a, a video last year and um, uh, Gemma was sitting with the editor watching the takes and I was sitting in the background doing some work on my laptop and there was a biscuit jar just near where I was sitting. And the biscuit jar was on the glass top table. And I sort of was like working in, you know, absolutely. And I was reaching into the jar, but there's only a few biscuits left and they're right down the bottom of the jar. And so I reached down and I was straining to get the last biscuit. And then once I made a fist to pull the biscuit out, my hand got stuck and I'm starting rattling around and it's glass on glass. And I look up and I just see the editor and Gemma like slowly turn around. And there I am like Winnie the Pooh with my hand in a glass jar. And so I finally sort of explained like, I explained what had happened and, and the editor was like, oh, that's fine, that's fine. And she was really apologetic as if, you know, like I'd done something really embarrassing and she like called front desk and got them to bring like a fresh jar of cookies so <laughs> this wouldn't happen again. But you know, the thing about it, if I just moved like two inches to the left, I would have had enough kind of angle to get the biscuit. It was just because fat hand. And your hand is like one of those little claw, arcade claws <laughs> <laughs> that can never get around. Um, all right, well, it's probably uh, long enough. So um, we don't have the sign off yet. Well, we came up with a name today. Is that enough? Uh, sign off come up, coming up. Next I week. loved it. We're like, you know, it was like well, we came up with the name. It started, you know, with yeah. Well, you know what the, the thing is, we said we weren't going to do that episode. Remember, we actually made a deal that we weren't going to talk about. Oh, we this is why we named the show what we did and yep. we, we we know what we did. We waited to the second episode. Yeah, which I think is. But we didn't do it. We didn't talk about it too much. This is boring, this bit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's just finish, I think. All right, so All right. Uh, hopefully we'll be back next week. Um, Charlie Clawson. Uh, Will Anderson.